take out your Bibles and turn to Psalm 142. Psalm 142. And it is a hot one. (laughs) I will try and keep that in mind with time. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 142. I have put two layers of sunscreen on, and I think I might need a third. So we might have to have a halftime spray down here. So bear with me. I do have a confession to make. Uh, Some of you may have heard some honking going on last service and wondering who was honking. Well, that was my daughter, Myla. She was in the driver's seat. And uh, it'd be one thing if, if she honked with her hands. That way I could see it coming and kind of try and stop her. But she kind of belly checked it. She just, so that's what she did. She's over here right now. She knows I'm talking about her. Her heads are back. back. <laughs> there we go. I, it's hard to tell if there's any response happening right now because I can't really see you. So if you have an amen, maybe you do a window wipe or a flash with the high beams or something. That'd be good. There we go. Good. Amen. <laughs> Psalm 142, I want to read to you. I'll read all the chapter which is seven verses, it says in verse one, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest the path, uh, then thou knewest my path. And the way wherein I have walked, have they privately laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand uh, and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord, and said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Untend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, For they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of uh, prison. That I may praise thy name. Thy righteousness shall compass me about. For thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would receive the glory at this time. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would eliminate all distractions. That the Holy Spirit would work in areas uh, that, that needs to be worked on. Lord, I ask that, that you would use me, Lord, that I'd empty myself and that the Holy Spirit would guide each and every word to your honor and glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles out, and normally there's some headings along, along the Psalms, and you may have something uh, in the heading of your Psalm for this, this chapter, something to do with a prayer when David was in a cave, or maybe David in hiding, or maybe it's something to do with David on the run. And so here in this portion of scripture, it's David on the run from Saul. And many believe that he escaped over to uh, the cave Abdullam. And there, for, for nothing more than, than jealousy, uh, King Saul was on hot pursuit of David, day in, day out was wondering he was just and he even said he was just a step away from death and so God used this time in David's life to write a lot of scripture in this cave and and so I wonder what it would have been like to be in that cave 
I wonder what it would have been like to, to have the, the pleasures of this life, how he was really, he was a prince. So he was given a, 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 lot, a lot of privilege in life and then to go from being a prince to on the run in a cave, not with the essentials of life. Uh, I wonder what it would have been like. But here we see, it, first of all, we see that David is reaching for a refuge. We see that here uh, in verse 1. It says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. So how did David reach for this refuge? How did David go forward for God in a hard time, in a time of exile, a time of separation, a time of wondering about, about uh, his life, what did David do? Well, first of all, David reached uh, for the refuge with his voice. I would have loved for the ensemble this evening to have sung, Thou, O Lord, are a shield for it. Thou, O Lord. And we all know that song. It's a great song. We've, we've had it uh, sung here many times. And that is actually taken out of Psalm chapter number three, where it says, um, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many are there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept and awake for the Lord sustained. So first of all, we see that David in a hard time, he cried unto the Lord with his voice, whether it was his heart's cry or whether it was vocal coming from his heart. He cried unto the Lord with his voice. And in, in chapter three, we see here that the Lord heard him. It's an amazing thought, a mind boggling thought, really, that God knows your voice. God knows your voice. Sometimes I sit in the back of my office and I'm kind of just tucked away in the corner. And sometimes people come into the office, whether it be to see Cindy or, or whatever, and I hear a voice and I know who that person is. Sometimes a newer person will come in and I'll hear the voice and I'll try and put a face to the voice. But when, when you pray and you bring your petitions before God, God knows the, the tone of your specific voice. And he knows your voice and he says, ah, oh, that is such and such. Never having to even look on who it is. Or is it more like, I haven't heard that voice in a while. I wonder who it is. God, of course, God is sovereign. He knows all things. But I haven't heard that voice in a while. I, I wonder who it is. Um, his cry, look at verse one. His, his cry was specific. It was specific. Perhaps, the Bible says here uh, in the latter part of verse one, with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I wonder what, what, what that was because prayer is twofold. It's prayer and that's communication. And then there's supplication and that's request. That would, what we would call the prayer list. And he's, he's, he's specific about what's taking place here. And I wonder what it was. The Bible doesn't say, but maybe, just maybe it was, Lord, I'm just tired of not having a good place to lay my head. Lord, I'm tired of, of always being on the run. Lord, help me, sustain me. Uh, perhaps it was a prayer over Saul and to soften his heart. But it was specific. 
And a good way to measure the depth of your prayer life is to say, is my prayer life and does it only consist of supplication or does it consist of prayer also, communication? When you pray, is it just, Lord, I pray for this person, help me in this area? Is it more of a list or is, it, is there any sort of communication there? And that's something that you could ask yourself about the depth of your prayer life, a communication with God. And that's, that's two-way communication. But here we go over to verse two. And David says this, I poured out my complaint before him and I showed before him my trouble. Um, it isn't for our benefit or it isn't for God, sorry, it is not for God's benefit that we give him an update on our current situation. God knows all things. But rather for our benefit, for our, to humble us and to say, I need to go to God about this and give my request to God about this. Um, It was for the benefit of David. He was being open and he was being honest with God. I poured out my complaint before him and I showed before him my trouble. In other words, God, this is what I'm going through. God, I don't want to hold anything back. I'm struggling in this area or I'm struggling in that area. I need your help. It was, it was specific and it kind of goes against the concept back in the Bible days on how you were to behave yourself in the presence of the king. Of course, we believe that Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I wanted to direct your attention over to Nehemiah chapter number two And I'll read that out to you. And Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He was basically a trusted guinea pig that that he would taste the food before it got to the king. But of course, the king had to trust him because he could easily poison the king. So Nehemiah was trusted as a cupbearer. And Nehemiah, we see that he is, how how his, his reaction is or how he conducts himself in the presence of the king. Look at what it says here, Nehemiah chapter number two. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was brought before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. In other words, he had never conducted himself in a matter of negativity in the presence of the king or being sad in the presence of the king. Look at what the next verse says. Wherefore, the king said unto me, why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then was I very sore afraid. Okay, so we see Nehemiah here. Trusted of the king. But one thing he'd never done before is to be sad in the presence of the king. It was disrespectful back in those days. And Nehemiah I bet you Nehemiah had seen people executed for far worse or for far less, far less. And the king sees it and he responds to Nehemiah and he says, well, you know, you're, 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 not, you're not sick. Nehemiah, you don't look pale. You're not sweating. This is nothing more than sorrow of heart. This is a personal matter, Nehemiah. And, and then Nehemiah, how he responds, he says, I was sore afraid he began to tremble he began to wonder he, he began to wonder is this the end of my day right now is this this is the end is he going to execute me he was very sore afraid so I'm, I'm bringing this forth to you to show you how an earthly king and the concept of an earthly king how we're to conduct ourselves 
not, not to bring sorrow before him, to bring joy, to be joyful in the presence of a king. And we can kind of relate to that today. If you go to visit somebody at their house and they're just, they're just grumpy, they have you over or you're over there and they're just grumpy, you would kind of be insulted. Well, maybe they don't want, like my presence. Maybe they don't want me uh, over right now. But to do it in, a king, in front of a king, uh, that's some risky business. But what a savior that we have that we, the Bible says that that will show me the plain path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand are pleasure evermore. David wrote that. And he says, in the presence of the king, there is rejoicing and joy. But, but not only that, not only that, we can come to the presence of the king with a sorrowful heart, with, with that need in our life to be met. I mean, he's the king of kings and Lord of lords, and he could have instituted us to be always joyful in his presence, never to come before him with our needs. But it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We, we can have joy in his presence, but we can also come to his presence with a heavy heart and cast our burdens upon him. It totally goes against the thinking of an earthly king. He's a heavenly king. And I'm glad, sometimes I'm glad that his thoughts aren't our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. What did David realize? Look at verse three. He said this, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path, then thou knewest my path. In other words, this got down to David's spirit, not just his mind, but his spirit. And he said, and he says here in verse three, when my spirit was overwhelmed. In other words, maybe there was cultivating a, a little bit of anxiety or depression. He says, my spirit, I just, I'm just overwhelmed right now. You ever feel like that? Just overwhelmed with life. How did he respond? What did he do? What did he realize? That word overwhelmed literally means to be faint. The idea of being in a dark place. You know, not just uh, being in a dark cave, but he said my spirit. He was in a spiritual dark, spiritually dark place. There's people today that are in a spiritually dark place. They don't have God as a refuge. They don't have God as a resource, but we do. We can praise the Lord for that. And this is what David said. He said, when my spirit was overwhelmed, when I was in a dark place, thou knewest my path. That's what kept David together. The assurance that God has got everything under control. And I'm so thankful in a time, the days that we're living, that I've got the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? I'm so thankful that the days of uncertainty that follow and that are gonna come even more in the days forward, that we could say, I don't know what's going on, but he does. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but he does. He's got it all under control. And you know what that does? That's a cure for anxiety. That's a cure for depression. The Lord Jesus Christ. He realized that, that God, ultimately what he realized was, God, you're all sovereign. You're, you're under, you're in control.
So we see here, David was reaching for a refuge. Now we see an earthly refuge in verse 4. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Placing your hope and trust in the things of this world is a hope and trust bound for failure. Bound for failure. David said, I looked to my right hand. I looked to my right hand. Behold, there was no man that would know me. The right hand in scripture is, uh, is, is, is something of great significance. Great significance. I mean, even today, the right hand is of great significance. We greet one another still to this day with our right hand. Uh, back in the Bible, it was known as the right hand was the hand of provision. The right hand was the hand of protection. Uh, the, the, right, the right hand was, was that, it had great significance. Even Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of God. We even would say this today, I, he's my right hand man. He's the one that should be closest. He's my assistant, whatever it may be. But David said, I looked at my right hand. There's no, nobody there. No one was there. This is what David was experiencing. Have you ever had many people around you, but nobody was there for you? Felt lonely? When refuge fails you. And then he goes on to say, no man cared for my soul. These are two components. Nobody there, nobody that cares. These are two components that lead to suicide. Nobody there, nobody that cares. Our community, uh, Canada by large, people are experiencing that nobody's there for me. Nobody cares for me. Taking their life. What if somebody, a believer said, I care. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I care. I care for you. David got to the point in his life where maybe he was thinking, I don't know if I can go on. I looked to my right hand and behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. Refuge failed me. My source of protection, my earthly source of protection has crumbled. And then it goes on to say, no man cared for my soul. My, my, who I am. My personality, the person that I am, nobody cares. Nobody cares. David, think about David, the man after God's heart. David, who was a spiritual giant, got to the point where he was like, you know what? Nobody's there and nobody cares. For an earthly refuge. What do you, how do you respond when, when you get to that point in your life? What will you do? We'll look at verse five. He said, I cried unto thee, O Lord, and said... Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. He said, in other words, listen, no, nobody was there for me. My earthly refuge failed me. But you, Lord, are my restoring refuge. You're the one that's there for me. When my mother and my father forsake me, then will the Lord take me up. And God, is, has God ever failed us? 
Has God ever fallen short of what he said he would do? No. I, I, looked, I looked to my right hand and I looked on my resource and I, I looked at my army and I had people around me, but nobody really cared for me. But then I looked to God. I looked to God and I said, thou art my refuge. Lord, you're my, my source of protection. I don't need to worry. You're, you're my source of, of, of hope and, and trust. You're my portion. You're the one, Lord, ultimately that sustains my life. This was the glue that kept David's book held together, kept his life held together. So how do you respond when, when nobody's there, nobody cares? Look to the Lord, he'll never fail. And he realized, he was humbled. He realized in verse six, attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. You know, you're just being real with God. You know, we, we like to, to put a show on sometimes. Oh, we're doing okay. We're doing good. Everything's good. Everything's all right. Every, everything is a-okay. David here is saying, attend unto my cry. I am brought very low. Man, I've never been this low before, Lord. I've, I've never quite come to this point in my life, Lord. I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. You know, it is okay to realize that the enemy is stronger than you. It's, it's okay to realize that you're insufficient. You can't make it on your own. It's okay to say, to, to know that, man, that the devil's strong. This will cultiv cultivate a desire in you to cling to God more and to rely on him for strength. Verse seven says, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me round about for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. When David was discouraged, perhaps depressed, he banked on what, was, on what God was going to do. Now he says, for the righteous shall compass me about for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Had the righteous in this current state right now, had the righteous been compassing him about? Had he really been dealt bountifully with at this point? No, but he knew that God was going to do it. In fact, we're out here right now and we, we see this plaque. We see this plaque here. We've got Bethel Baptist Church, 1947. And we've got the school and we've got different, and we've got the gymnasium. But did you notice on this plaque that there's an empty spot right there? It's an empty spot. I wonder what God is going to do. I wonder what he's going to do. When, when David felt like, I'm just going to fall apart, Lord, he went to God and he remembered, God, you're faithful and you're going to come through. I know I'm, I'm, in this, I'm in this cave right now, Lord, but there will be a time when the righteous, the brothers and sisters and Christ will be surrounded around me. And that kept him together. Psalm, or Psalm 27 verse 12 says, Deliver me not over to the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. And it says this, I had it fainted. I had it fainted unless I had, to, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David writes this again. Enemies were, were hot on his trail. 
And again, he looks to the future on God's faithful hand to encourage him. He said, I had fainted, Lord. I, I had I I given up, God. I had thrown in the towel. I had quit the ministry. I had stopped following you. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yeah, he hadn't seen it right now. He hadn't been in the goodness of the Lord right now, but he was going to see it. And he was banking on God, what God was going to do. And God is going to do some great things. And he is doing great things. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived with what the devil is trying to do to the churches right now. Don't be deceived with that. There are people that are hungry. Hungry for the gospel. Hungry, hungry to be saved. Hungry to, to, to have that person that says, I care and I'm there. So David reaching for a refuge. He, he went to God. He realized his earthly refuge had, had, had failed him. And that restoring refuge was found in the Lord. I cried unto the Lord, said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We praise your name, Lord, that, that even though we fail you, we fall short, you've never forsaken us. Thank you, Lord, during this time, this, this unique time in, in life, that you are our refuge, you're our hope. Lord, I pray that we would be reminded with that, that we would cling to that, that we would trust and believe that. Help us, Lord, to be salt and light into this barren county, Lord, this need, need, need God-needing county. Help us, God, to, to move forward for you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Just a few announcements I'd like to give. First of all, I'd actually, before we do that, if there's anybody viewing, anybody here in this parking lot, if there's anybody viewing on, online right now, and you, you're thinking, I'm about to end my life. I'm about to give up in the ministry. I'm about to give up on my family. We'd like to talk to you. Perhaps there's somebody that need what you really need is not a, not a, a renovation, it's a restoration in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he can meet the need of your life. He can forgive your sins and cleanse you. He can give you fulfillment and, and, and clear depression. If you're here in this parking lot and you want to be saved, we encourage you to stay back. Don't leave when everybody else leaves. Stay back and we'll like to talk to you about the gospel. If you're viewing online, call the church. We'd love to talk to you.